genius. I hate people. I hate people. This is why they're the worst. Are you ready for it? Hey, peeps. Hey, fam. Hey, fam. Um, this is Rachel. This is Rebecca. How are y'all doing on this Tuesday morning after Labor Day weekend? Yep. Good. Had a nice, relaxing weekend, ready to, I mean, prepping for Europe. This is kind of a slow intro. And I will, that's because right before we hit record, they officially identified in Memphis the body they found yesterday as Liza Fletcher. So sad. It's really sad. This was going to be the top of our conversation anyway, and then we just got that alert. For those who don't know, Liza Fletcher was on an early morning run on Friday and was seen being forced into a car after a short struggle ensued, and then the car sat there for four minutes. I can't fucking imagine what was going on there. And then drove off, um, and she's been missing ever since, but... As of today, Tuesday, they did just find her, unfortunately. Um, she has two kids. Oh, that's what I can't stop thinking about. I know. And they're like old. They're like, they look like they're like, I don't know, like four and six or something. So like, they're asking where mom is. They know something's up. Oh, God. I can't. And she was a teacher and seemed to be so. Mm-hmm. So we went to college like very close to Memphis at Ole Miss. We know a lot of people from Memphis. A lot of people we know know her very well. And we're so sorry to all of y'all. And I cannot stop thinking. I've been meaning to, like, message. I just, I don't know what anyone's going through, and it's just so sad. And yeah, they, a couple of them posted a video of her this morning. It was, like, the most sweet. She's singing this little light of mine. I know. It actually, it makes me tear up. I know. It's really, really sweet video. She just seemed great, and it's so sad. It is sad. All right. Sorry. <laughs> we get emotional on this podcast a lot. <laughs> and I've been talking about it all weekend without crying. I know. It's just sad. It's just because it's now real, and I just feel so bad for everyone involved. Um, everyone, her family, her babies, her students. Like, they just started. Ugh, I just can't. Those fuckers. Or that Listen. fucker. I'm like, what's his name? I don't even care. It's he just, he just he got out of prison in November of 2020 from kidnapping. So he turns around, does it again, less than two years later, in a very escalated degree. Right in 2000, he kidnapped and I believe still very scary, threw a man in his trunk and forced him to an ATM and robbed him. But he survived. Yeah. I mean, and now it's like the most horrific. Yeah, it escalated so badly in the most worst way ever. Oh, God, I hate people. I know. Me too. But he'll fry now. God, I'm so sorry to Liza's friends and family. I know. Love y'all. Love y'all. I'm so sorry. Well, that be, that'll be the only time I cry, I swear. <laughs> on this pod probably the, not well you've already you cried the last episode I've oh, cried meant, twice or you've cried twice oh I meant um, in this episode <laughs> <laughs> depending yeah, no promises I don't know. Yeah. for future 
well, I don't know what story you're telling, so that actually may not even be true. Um, no, I don't think you'll cry because you're heartless. Normally. <laughs> Normally we're made of stone, but, you know, I'm just kidding. We have a sensitive side. We actually cry a lot. <laughs> we actually cry a lot. It's I'm, actually I'm, my only emotion. Nothing better than a good cry. I thrive on it. Like I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I think that's probably all we have. Um, hopefully by the time this airs, that's probably annoying to hear it because we say it every time, but this will be airing like mid-October, I guess, and we're just yeah. coming out of Labor Day. But so hopefully by that time, we may have merch. We may uh, yeah. have. Yeah, we should. We should. We may have a website. So <laughs> if, if we do, go to it. Please. <laughs> and buy stuff. Yeah. But hopefully that will all be figured out. And so just we'll post on Instagram or whatever updates on that. But surely by the time this airs, it'll be out, out there. Oh, uh, yeah. It definitely should be. All right. I'm going to tell you about Pam Butler. And there is a story within a story. So gear up for that with Marta, Marta Rodriguez. All right. Ready for it? Ready. Sources are True Crime Daily. Distractify.com, Washington Post, and Dateline, duh, like season 596, episode 382. <laughs> I have no idea, but <laughs> Dateline goes on forever. Yeah. All right, so in 2009, 47-year-old Pamela Butler was working at the Environmental Protection Agency as an IT specialist in D.C. She's very driven. She didn't yeah. grow up in the greatest of neighborhoods. She was raised by a single mom. Um but she was always determined to be su very successful, and she was. She bought a house in D.C. She had a Mercedes and a Jaguar. She was there. Hell yeah. I know. Go, girl. And she was very social. Her and her friend, her other single friend, Rita, would often, like, hit up the town, go to happy hours, brunches, you know, things you do, all the things you do in D.C. Oh, old Ebbett, watch out. <laughs> Rachel loves old Ebbett in D.C. It's my favorite place. Sh touristy, but Sure. <laughs> With being so busy with work and friends, she didn't really have time to date the old-fashioned way. So, like most of us, she turned to the internet. And that's where she met Jose Rodriguez Cruz, originally from Puerto Rico, and is now a clerical worker and living in Arlington, Virginia. It's a clerical. Some people say cl clerical worker living yeah. in Arlington, Virginia. Sorry. Yeah. Things were going really well, and Rita said she was seeing less and less of Pam because she was spending so much time with Jose. Not in, like, a controlling way. He didn't seem like the type who was, like, trying to distance her from her friends. It was just, you know, young, young new love. Totally. On February 12, 2009, they had been dating for about five months, and Pam called her mom, Thelma, to make plans for her dinner that Saturday night with her and Jose. Apparently, Pam always wanted to treat her mom and take her out to do things as a way to, like, pay her back for all the struggles they kind of endured as kids. She was sweet. That's sweet. So she grew up in D.C.? Yeah. Oh, okay. So her mom still lived there. Yeah. Okay. So they're Cute. planning to go to Ben's Chili Bowl. Hey, any DC listeners out there, y'all know what where it is. U Street, great uh -oh. late night spot. <laughs> okay. Watch out, Ben's. Ben's Chili Bowls. Dang. Rebecca coming in hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is my episode, boobed. Uh, so they were going to Ben's Chili Bowl that Saturday. And Thelma noticed that that was Valentine's Day. So she was like, are y'all sure y'all want to do that? That's really awkward. Y'all can have the night alone. And Pam's all, no, no, we want to. But Saturday, unfortunately, came and went, and Thelma could not get a hold of Pam. She called her son, Pam's brother, Derek, 
who said they probably forgot about dinner and took advantage of the long weekend because that Monday was President's Day. But by Tuesday, Thelma was like, nope, we're going over there. So on February 17th, 2009, she, Derek, and Brandon, that's Pam's nephew who had up until recently lived with her. They all went to her house. Both cars were in the driveway and the doors were locked. But since Brandon had lived there for a little bit, he knew the alarm code so she so he could deactivate it. They went to open the door and Brandon went to the panel, but the alarm was never set. This was huge red flag, number one. They said Pam always set the alarm. Also, they noticed her work papers in disarray on a table, which was red flag number two, which just shocks me. But they said Pam was so neat, you would be nervous to sit down in her house. So oh. like, the fact that even papers were a mess alarmed them. Oh, yeah. Thelma even said she would never leave her house like this, like if, as if it was a disaster. I'm like, God, she would be appalled by my house. <laughs> yeah. On the desk, they also found a note from Jose. It said, Pam, where are you? Are we still taking your mother to dinner? I've been here looking for you. Thelma also noticed a blue latex glove on the floor, but this wasn't even the biggest thing to her. She said what really stood out was that the blinds were halfway drawn up from the bottom. Pam had those blinds that you could either raise from the bottom or lower from the top, and she always lowered from the top. because so no one done, could see in. Yeah, she lived yeah. on a busy street, and it like, still allowed sunlight, but no one could see in. And privacy was a big thing to Pam. Yeah. Thelma knew right then and there Pam did not do that, so she immediately calls the police to report her missing. While she's doing that, Derek calls Jose and asks if he's heard from Pam. He says no and tells him they actually broke up on Friday. So Derek asks for his address and goes over there to talk to him. Jose meets him in the lobby, and Derek's like, no, 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 my sister's missing. I need to go to your par- apartment so I can look around. <laughs> oh, yeah. The cojones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek and his cojones. So they go into the apartment, and Jose tells them they broke up because he had been in contact with one of his ex-girlfriends, and Pam didn't like that at all. He claims he was only in contact with her because of the ex's daughter. The two had become really close, and Jose was apparently like a father to her and didn't want to cut all ties, so Pam broke up with them. Which, knowing Pam was raised by a single mom, I can't believe it'd be that black and white for her. Like, she would be so headstrong. Well, how old is the daughter? I think like five or something. Oh. Yeah. But maybe. I mean, you never know. Uh, Yeah, you never know. But it would just be shocking for it to be that cut and dry. Like, she was raised by a single mom. This woman's I mean, this little girl is being raised by a single mom. I I don't know. Yeah. She didn't seem like the type. Right. But anyway, maybe so. So Derek, in the ballsiest move, yes, asked Jose to take off his shirt so he can examine scratches and defensive wounds, which I'm like, my Mm. God. Yes. Guys, he's not even a cop. No police work in Derek's past, but... Man, he's a good cop today. (laughs) I know. He's doing what he's got to do. I know. Jose has no hesitation. He takes off his shirt. Derek doesn't see any defensive wounds on his body. He has to look around his apartment. Jose's fine with it. Derek doesn't see anything suspicious, and he leaves very confident that Jose didn't do anything. When he gets back to Pam's house, the police are there talking to Thelma and did an extensive search. But based on her house, they didn't think she was in danger. There's no force entry, no evidence of a struggle, things like that. So they kept getting dead ends. Former homicide detective Mitch Credle, who worked on D.C.'s sexual assault unit, 
ended up being assigned to this case. And he went to the surveillance cameras around Pam's house. And there was a ton of footage. She never turned them off. So he analyzed them from the days leading up to Valentine's Day and the days after. On Thursday, February 12th, very uneventful. She's seen arriving at home. She picks up her mail. On Friday, there's much of the same. You can see there's a hand coming out of the front door to get the mail. And you can't see the person's face, but it's presumed to be Pam. Later that Friday, Jose shows up carrying gifts, and he's seen leaving the following day, but we never see Pam leave. And this really baffled police because she was definitely not in her house. So if she were killed there or something, the person would have had to take her body out undetected. Yeah. And there's no, like, break in the footage? No. Um, well, we'll get there. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, you're good. The videos show Jose going in and out Saturday carrying small bags. So the police call him in and he gives the same spiel he gave to Derek about how they broke up. And he was using his key to get all his shit out, which explains why he's carrying all the bags. Crime scene technicians rip Pam's house apart, pulling up floorboards. There is zero sign of blood or any, any indication of a crime scene. So they take to cell towers and her phone pings in Virginia and in a park in Maryland. And then all of a sudden it stops. So they search those two areas, but can't find anything. Months were going by, and Derek and his family felt like the police didn't care enough about Pam's case, stating in the dateline that if she were white, they would have been treating this very differently, which is such so sad. Yeah. To feel like no one's on your side, or t- I, that would be so frustrating. No one cares as much as you do. That would be so, that would be. You're right. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's going to the boyfriend himself and being like, hey, take off your shirt. Yeah, I'm not going to waste time. Good for this sweet brother. Right. So he stays in the cops' faces. He's constantly doing interviews to keep the story in the news. He's spearheading massive search efforts. But five months into the case, he becomes the main suspect. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Investigators get two anonymous tips. One says, look into the fact that Derek and Pam aren't as close as he says they are. And another one says, Derek Butler has y'all fooled. Oh, that's all they get? Yeah. I've seen the state line. I don't remember that. Okay. Jeez. Oh. Oh. Okay, you have seen the state line? Yeah. It, it, I know. I don't know those details, though. So, like, if I have a reaction, I'm not just putting on an act. <laughs> we all, no, we've reassured them. We're not actresses. <laughs> Well, because I think I mentioned, I I know this. Yeah. Police question him, and there's no hard evidence, but he and Pam did buy property together, and he is listed as a beneficiary in Pam's will. So there would be motive, but he maintains his innocence, and the story just kind of stayed there in limbo for seven years. Seven? Yeah. Seven years of just nothing. Oh, my God. In 2016, a judge declared Pam legally dead. There's no evidence of where her whereabouts or anything. Like, there's no blood. There's that. I, okay. No. Jeez. But this isn't the People Can't Solve Crimes podcast. So the story isn't even close to being done. Oh, I know. I, I just, I yeah. don't know. Whatever happened, whoever yeah, did it murder. really knew what they were doing. I mean, like, there's no evidence. Right. The footage. Okay. Anyway. Anywho. Detective Credle was retiring at the time, and he pushed his boss to assign this to an actual cold case, cold case detective. Mind you, he was in the sexual assault unit, so it really wasn't his area to begin with. 
So I was assigned to detect <laughs> fumbling Jeez. to Detective Mike Fulton, and this was his only case at the time. So he got to work it full time. How fun would that be? To just oh my god! Take a bunch of Adderall and spend your days <laughs> just on one case, digging into one crime. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'd have it solved by the end of the day <laughs> for sure. The fact that she was declared legally dead meant a defense attorney can't argue she's alive. So they didn't really need her body. It kind of removes the whole, like, no body, no crime element. They just needed to prove she was a victim of murder and who did it. He started from the beginning looking at the original persons of interest. Jose didn't have any previous arrests, didn't really have a motive, but Detective Fulton wasn't ruling him out. He did hone in heavier on Derek, who had a financial gain if she were dead. Then the detective went back to the tapes and started dissecting frame by frame, and things started to not make sense. She had motion sensor lights that were working in the days prior to her disappearance, and they were activated when a cat walked by, like when a tree blew in the wind. They were very sensitive. And you can see them pop on when Jose initially went over there Friday with all the gifts. Then at some point in the late hours of Friday, Jose steps outside and they don't come on. This really catches the detective's eye. He notices at one point when Jose is locking, unlocking the door to get his, all his bags post-breakup, the key he uses is on a big keychain with what looks like a security fob, which Pam only had like, for work. Mm-hmm. The attention to detail to that. I'd be like, so he added it to a keychain. Like, this is why I'm not a detective. Yeah. Jose originally told the, them that Pam gave him a key, but it appears like he's using her keys. Yeah. So this alone causes... Detective Fulton to call Arlington PD to look into his past. And Rosa Ortiz is assigned to the case. And this starts her down a 30-year rabbit hole. Duh. Because she's a woman and they get shit done. Well, sorry, this is seven years later. They didn't do that early on? I know. Well, they looked at previous arrests and he didn't have any. So they're like, okay, this is Uh, looking a little bit more like Derek. Oh, okay. She learned Jose had been married before to a woman named Marta. They lived in Puerto Rico and had a son named Hansel and relocated to Arlington in the 80s. Apparently, they seemed like a very happy family, but after digging in more, Detective Ortiz learned that while Jose was serving in the U.S. Army in Central America, he met another woman and married her in Panama while being married to Marta. Her name was Guadalupe, and he eventually moved her to Arlington and had a completely separate life. Two wives who had no idea about each other. In the same city? In the same city. And he and Guadalupe had a son together. (gasps) So he was just shuffling between these two lives, which I I get stressed over (laughs) far less than that. How stressful would that be? I don't understand how you get away with it. Like, I'm at a loss for words. I'm trying to... Think of a scenario where pain is, I mean, other than playing golf, but gone like all days, maybe nights. What if and you t- found out pain's never played a day of golf in his life? <laughs> He's never <laughs> once picked up a golf club. He doesn't even if, know what the game if is. If you could see behind me, I'm in an attic that's a golf club graveyard. He has a hundred putters up here. All for show. All just a ploy because... Yeah, she has another wife and kids down the street. Can you imagine that? They're just in two separate apartments nearby so he can, you know, 
shuffle around easily. But what does one think when he's not spending the night at their house? I don't know. I house? couldn't get real Damn. into details of that. I have no idea. But I'm like, really? What did you used to say? Who's dropping the kid off at school? What if you promise both of them? What if you double book? What if they took care of the school stuff and went to the same school? Took kids to the same school. What would you do? Right. But they know each other, maybe. It's no. the idiot. He does not get away with that for too long. Marta eventually does find out and it separates from him and sends Hansel back to Puerto Rico to stay with her family while she's kind of sorting all this out. She found an apartment, a roommate. She got a job in the D.C. area and even got a boyfriend. But this pissed Jose off. He started following her everywhere. I know. It's so annoying. I'm sorry. You're right. Be pissed off is long gone. Right. That's rich. You, <laughs> you had a secret family yeah. for God knows how long. Amscray. Amscray is right. And dad's, to quote dad, Amscray. Jose. Yeah, he started following her everywhere to work. She saw him watching her while she was getting on the bus. She was terrified of him. Then, Detective Ortiz found a police report from 1989 about a cop who happened to walk up on Jose dragging Marta up the sidewalk by her hair. Oh, yeah. She was screaming. You do? Yeah, yeah. She was screaming for someone to help. So the cop tackles him to the ground, holds him, and cuffs him. Marta is crying and tells the officer Jose had abducted her two days before that and has been holding her in a hotel and raping her. Oh, piece of shit. Somehow she escaped from the restraints and ran out of the hotel, which is when he caught her. And that's when the cop walked up. Thank God he did. So the cop takes him down to the station. And during interrogation, Jose says, quote, she's my wife. You don't understand. If I can't have her, no one can. Are you stupid? How many psychopaths have said that before you? Oh, okay, good. I thought he was going to pull the whole like, no, she's in insane she always pulls this that's a lie like i don't right. know try to but oh he just Put throws himself under the bus that's perfect yeah keep talking yeah it's great he's charged with assault and battery and abduction but for the abduction charge to stick marta has to testify in court because the cop didn't witness the abductions it's her word against his yeah but she's petrified of him retaliating and didn't show up on the court date therefore oh, no. the abduction charge was dropped and he was released Oof. A week later, Marta vanishes. Cops question Jose, who obviously denies everything. There's no evidence against him, so he took custody of Hansel, and they moved him, moved Hansel back to Arlington, where he lived with Jose in Guadalupe. And what happened to Marta was a mystery for 11 years. What? I know. Till the year 2000, when they found her in Florida, alive. <gasps> she was, Whoa. I know. She was getting a license in Miami, and the entry of her social security number flagged the DMV system that she's a missing person. So Miami police were called down. They questioned her, and she confirmed she was Marta. She gave her birthday, her former address in Virginia, and they called the Arlington police and told them to close the file. She was found. She just ran away. She ran, genuinely ran away and left Hansel with that monster? Monster. Wow. Fast um, forward to present day, which is now 2017, and Detective Fulton... That's not present day. Well, you in the story. Yes, yeah, yeah. that is. Just 2017, and Detective Fulton calls Miami PD and asks that they fax over a copy of that license. So they do. 
and the woman in the picture was not Marta. What? crazy. This woman had stolen her identity. He did an address check to the one in Virginia that that woman gave, and that wasn't even where Marta and Jose lived. It was actually where Jose and Guadalupe lived. (gasps) So 17 years later, detectives contact this woman, and it turns out she's Guadalupe's sister. They didn't double. She just spit off an address confidently, and they're like, seems right. Didn't even look up a picture of what Marta looked at to be like, let me confirm this is you. Like, what? What? Easy. They did not do. They're like, she could have said 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're like, oh, (laughs) she said that really quickly. Okay, I guess she's telling the truth. Like, they didn't even look up the address. No, sure didn't. No due diligence there in Miami. Oh, my God. Guadalupe's sister was living in the U.S. undocumented, so she stole Marta's identity in order to stay here. She admitted Jose gave her all the documents because, quote, Marta wouldn't be needing them anymore. A real holy shit moment for the cops. Oh, God. I should have known that wasn't Marta. No one would leave their poor baby. I feel bad for even thinking it. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm getting to. I don't know about that because— well, I'll tell you what Hansel thinks, because after this whoa, 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 Miss Lippy moment, mm-hmm. Detective Fulton calls Hansel, who's now an adult, and asks about his mom and what he knows. And Hansel tells him she ran off with drug dealers and abandoned him. That's what Jose had told him. So he grew up thinking his mom didn't want him, which if someone ever tells you this, dig in real deep, because there's more to that story. Yeah. Moms wouldn't do a Very few moms would do that. Unfortunately, some do, but some do, uh, no. but very few. I just, I just can't with that. Oh, right, leaving your baby in the hands of a monster. Mm, pretty yeah. unlikely. If she were going to run away, she's taking her son. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So he further, Hansel further tells the police that he grew up watching his father abuse Guadalupe on a regular basis, and even saw him put a gun to her head when he was ten years old. What a huge face. owl, right? So they now wanted to find Guadalupe to confirm the story. But after her and Jose split, she kind of went on the run. She actually did. She really stood, stayed off the grid. She relocated like three to four times in fear that he was going to find her. So it was With real, their kid, though? Yes. Yeah, yeah with yeah. their kid. So it was really hard for um, cops to find her. But once they do get a hold of her, she does confirm everything. And they learn yet another story about this shitbag. Oh, God. God. Not sure what year this happened, but Jose had been running a flea market stall with a woman who had a young child, and he apparently wanted more than a business relationship. So one day, he asks her to meet him, and she brings her baby, and Jose abducts him at gunpoint. He keeps him in the basement for days, raping this poor woman in front of her son. Oh, God. I do think the son is an actual baby, so he doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. Doesn't make it any less traumatic. Yeah. She sees an opportunity to escape, arms herself with a knife, and stabs him. (laughs) Hell yes. I know. Get shit done. He has a gun, and a struggle ensues, and a neighbor hears this, comes downstairs, and the woman is yelling for her to call the police. The name of this woman's not released, so I don't know it. So she yells for the neighbor to call the police. But when the cops get there, all they see is Jose bleeding, and she's holding a knife. She's trying to explain her side of the story, but her English isn't very good at all, so they arrest her. 
Which at that point, I'd be like, great, take me away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure she's relieved. They do hear her out and at the police station and check her story. And they ultimately go back and see duct tape and rope. And they drop the charges against her. But for some reason, I don't know why, Jose is not charged with this. He does flip the story there. And it's like, it's a domestic dispute. Don't she does this. So but I'm like, you're just taking his word over it? So he's not charged. And a child involved? Okay. Right. Another, okay, whatever. I'm not going to, like, dog every detective in the story, but, like... I've been, are... been kind of doing that a lot. So all the stories are, I mean, they ultimately come out on top, but every story we've told lately, there's some faulty police work going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. But after this, Detective Fulton feels like he has enough to conclude Jose is extremely violent and did something to Pam. So as DCPD is building their case, they find out that he's currently dating a woman with a young daughter, and they decide not to waste any more time. With his first wife missing, his second wife and son claiming abuse, the flea market woman, and now his current girlfriend's missing, they get a warrant and arrest him in the murder of Pam Butler in 2018. The entire time, Derek has thought he's been number one suspect for this, now, what is it, eight years? Derek's been, he, they can't tell him that everything they're finding out about Jose. So for eight years, he thinks that he's under the microscope and he has not been at all. Detective oh, Fulton goes God. to Derek's apartment at 3 a.m. And Derek's like, oh my God, I'm going to get fucking arrested. This is bullshit. He opens the door and Detective Fulton goes, I locked his ass up. <gasps> oh. It was a high five moment. Oh, Isn't that Detective sweet? Fulton. And Derek never, he did not like Detective Fulton because he was honing in so hard on Derek at the beginning. He was like, oh my God, this motherfucker's going to come arrest me. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I never thought you did. I knew you didn't do it. I just could not tell you everything we were finding. Ugh. You would have, because we, we know you, Derek. We know you. And you would have marched your ass over to that apartment and <laughs> taken care of it yourself. <laughs> yeah, just you like you did in the beginning because you're a badass. And you're everyone a badass. loves you. We love you. I'm sorry. Let's shake hands. Let's high five. Let's dance. Oh, my gosh. And if you're looking for a job. I know. Come work. Because they don't have a body, Jose does have some leverage for a plea deal, which he takes full advantage of. He agrees to tell them what he did and where she is for the lesser charge of second-degree murder and 12 years in jail, which is what Carl Homolka got. Just FYI. 12 years in jail. 12 years. But the butlers did not care. They are fine with it. They really just needed to know what happened and give her a proper funeral. Oh, yeah. So here's what happened. The day before Valentine's Day in 2009, they got in an argument because she was working and he was watching TV on the couch. And she just got irritated that she was always working. He hadn't found a new job. And she tells him that he is not a man and then calls him a pussy. <laughs> yes. I mean, sounds like he was. He's weak. Mm -hmm. So he punched her in the face and said he blacked out. And when he came to, she was gone. But then on the tapes, when this is being recorded, he said, okay, I'm sorry, that was a lie. I didn't black out. I strangled her. Oh. He then put her limp body in a black trash bag, dropped her out of the sad window, the one that Thelma noticed right from the get-go, because that was the only side of the house Pam's camera didn't catch. Yeah. Didn't monitor. Mm -hmm. He then drove her to I-95 in Virginia, and dug a shallow grave in the median 
in between the north and southbound lanes of one of the busiest stretches of interstate in the country. So if you're in D.C., uh uh-huh, and you drive on I-95, you'll be driving over a dead body. Because unfortunately, they couldn't recover her body because it had been paved and is now HOV lanes. What? Uh Uh-huh. So he did that, I mean, I'm guessing in the middle of the night. That's what I'm like, y'all didn't dig into how he did that. There's always someone on I-95 in the medium, but they have since paved over them because now they're HOV lanes. So if you're ever going to Richmond or Virginia people, y'all are ever going to D.C. and y'all driving I-95, which you do. How eerie is that? But that's not over. You think it's over and it's not. Well, I'm just wondering how, so they couldn't ever confirm if that's even true. Uh, Uh, Okay, just keep going. How about? How about I just keep going and I tell you what's true and what's not true? Sure. (laughs) Love that idea. Great. When they're looking for Pam's body in the median, it struck a memory of a state trooper living in Virginia. He remembered that in 1991, which is 20 years before Pam went missing, they found a body in the same median six miles away from where Jose said Pam was. But in the early 90s, there was no good way to identify sparse remains, so they listed her as a Jane Doe until now because they obtained DNA from Hansel and confirmed it was Marta. Oh, my God. Found her 30 years later from the day she went missing. Oh, my God. Chilling realization from I was going to say I got chills, but... Okay, Jose, to hell with your 12 years, because now we have you on Marta's murder. Oh, there you are. But it wasn't actually that easy because they couldn't confirm how she died. It was way too long. They had no murder scene. Even the location of her body was considered circumstantial evidence. You're joking. Right. Did she die of natural causes and then (laughs) naturally get buried in a median off the interstate exactly where... Her ex-husband says his new girlfriend is very, like, come on. Yeah, pure coincidence. Pure circumstantial. And he at first claims this, pure coincidence. He denies it. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) What's the point? I know. I mean. And then his attorney's like, oh, if we take this shit to trial, you're going to jail for the rest of your life. So he yet again strikes a plea deal for second-degree murder, and they have a sentencing hearing, so there's no jury. It's just in front of a judge. Minimum is five years, maximum is 40 years. Hansel takes the stand and reveals a childhood secret. <gasps> One night when he was 11 years old, Jose was in a rage, so he ran to hide. Just oh, so sad in itself, but he found, and when he was hiding, he found a letter in his dad's handwriting that says, I'm responsible for Marta missing. Apparently, this was the beginning of a suicide note, but Hansel got so scared he put it, the note back and ran and never told anyone. Oh. So he, he thought his mom abandoned him for the first 11 years of his, of his life, but he secretly knew that was yeah. not the case. Oh, my God. That's all the judge needed to hear. He imposed the maximum 40 years on top of the 12-year sentence he was serving for Pam. And he went to jail at 55 years old, so he'll get out at 107. Oh, okay. So yeah. he does have a life <laughs> sentence, but right, it's still, oh, my God, that poor buddy. Maybe. I know. He said it shaped his life, changed it forever, obviously. Eleven. Ugh. Mm Mm-mm. And that's a horrific story 
of Marta and Pam and their deadbeat shitbag of a boyfriend and husband, Jose Rodriguez Cruz. And Derek Butler still helps people of color search for missing loved ones through his foundation, Black and Missing, which I'm sure you've heard of. There's a four-part HBO documentary on it if you want to watch. Oh, good. Yeah. He's behind all that good for him. Yeah, so he's still doing good work for people. Oh, my gosh. Did Do you know if Thelma lived to see this, the case solved? Golly, good question. Yeah, yeah, I think she did. Well, I remember, I think this was a dateline that I may have fallen asleep to because I did not know any of the end stuff. But I do remember her being, she was like pretty old. So sad. Yeah, I mean, Pam was 47 in 2009 when she went missing. So, God, I don't actually Uh, don't know. Marta's parents um, died thinking she ran away and forgot about them. Oh, no. I know, that's so sad for everyone involved. that is crazy. crazy. And Pam still lies in the HOV lanes, which is just so disheartening. Oh, that's so sad. I know. And a local for you. Kind and of. a local story for me. Tell your DC friends. What's that? Oh, well, justice was served. Justice was served, and that piece of shit is rotting in prison. Where? In Virginia? Yeah. Stratford County or something. Bye. Peace out. Good. Well, great. <laughs> um, well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. This has been so fun. The podcast has been very fun to do. It really so. has. Um, so thank you all. And you are the best. People are the worst. Okay, See bye. See ya.